Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is the future of cars with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in the automotive industry and its supporting ecosystem and help them move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Moving in new and exciting directions. That's exactly what we're all about here on the Future of Cars with Game Changers Radio. So let me tell you a little bit about what I found out when I did a buzz. Look up a buzz quote for what we're talking about today. Here's a report from McKinsey.com. Listen up. This is important and it will touch every one of you around the world in our listening audience because we know you're all over the world and we appreciate your listening to the shows live and on demand. If you don't drive a car, if maybe you take a bus, maybe you know people who drive cars, maybe you take cabs or Uber. Listen up. This is important. From 2010 to 2016, traffic congestion, aha, rose in London by 14%, in Los Angeles by 36%, in New York by 30%, and in Beijing and Paris by 9%. Seamless mobility could be cleaner, more convenient, and more efficient than the status quo, accommodating up to 30% more traffic while cutting travel time by 10%. That's the end of the quote I found on this McKinsey.com report. It's very important to know that we're tr- people are trying to do something about this. We all get stuck in traffic or we hear about people, I'm sorry I'm late, I was stuck in traffic. Well, it is a global problem, obviously. And by the way, if you want to run and drive with the game changers, you're in the right place because this is where the best are running and driving. And today we're talking about urban mobility. I think you already picked that up. So what are we really talking about? The private sector and the public sector both want to develop innovative solutions to solve the problems of future mobility in growing cities. We've already established that. So what is their goal? They want to apply what we call intelligent technologies in urban environments in order to, and this may surprise you, they want to tap into the collective knowledge of the ecosystem. A lot of brain power out there. They want to bring together multidisciplinary teams. Think about design thinking. That's what they do. And they want to harness diverse thinking through collaboration and hands-on activities. But where do you start? It sounds wonderful, but where do cities start? What do they have to do? Who do they have to get together? Well, that's why we have such a great panel on our show today. Let me tell you who my three experts are, and then I will ask them each to introduce themselves, and we'll get started. So in a moment, you'll be hearing from Peter Siebert. He spells his last name S-I-E-B-E-R-T. He's a manager for Smart Cities at MHP, and he'll tell us all about that. We're welcoming back Adina Sewell. Global Future Cities SAP Public Sector. She's been on the Game Changers Future Cars before. We're welcoming her back. And another newcomer is Cameron. He told me I can call him Cam. Cam Rouse, R-O-U-S-E, at SAP Labs Network. So welcome to my esteemed panelists. Peter Siebert, why don't you introduce yourself, please? Tell us a little bit about what you do and why this topic is important to you. Oh, thanks a lot for the warm welcome. I'm happy to be here. Yes, I'm working since um, almost 20 years uh, together with the public sector, I used to work uh, for the public sector for the cities, like the cities of Berlin as well and Brussels. And I was uh, in early times really affected with this issue of smart cities, and um, uh, even if nobody knew it at that time. And mm-hmm. meanwhile, I'm really happy that we are talking about this because due to climate change, due to the sustainability level of cities, everybody's talking about these challenges you described, mm-hmm. like urbanization, demographic change, and that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to find out which new concepts, which new mobility could fit to a city of the future. And I do this, um, meanwhile, for MHP. It's a consultancy for working for rich, with digitization, and it's run by Porsche. So, and that's uh, exciting because I am allowed to think about new concepts even without cars. And that's interesting because the future integrates card, but maybe even more. And that's so my profession. I like it a lot to be here together with you and this team and to to discuss this exciting topic. Peter, you are a very, very gracious person. Thank you very much. You're You're very, very kind. We're delighted to have you on board and can't wait to hear more from you. So thank you. Adina, welcome back. It's been way too long. How have you been? And catch us up on what you've been doing. 
Thank you, thank you, Bonnie. It's a pleasure to be um, back on your show again. Um, so, um, uh, and the last time when I participated at the uh, Game Changers Radio Show, I was still part of the Industry Business Unit Automotive at SAP. So, uh, recently, actually, I had two great opportunities to also a little bit widen my horizon and learn a little bit more about yeah, the topic of mobility, also in the context of yeah, what do we do at this company from the development perspective. And also, since the 1st of September, I joined the SAP Global Future Cities team at the public sector industry business unit. So um, it was very exciting to be in the past 12 years in the automotive industry, and we definitely see a lot of changes in how this entire industry is impacted by um, uh, the digitalization, how this industry is moving more into the direction of mobility. And I believe that the urban mobility is one area that is uh, greatly impacted, uh, wherever we definitely see the need about change. um, uh, We know that the urban areas... um, um, fighting with congestions, with the uh, air pollution. And the, um, I think that technology um, um, uh, and, and all of these other opportunities are out there. So let's see how we can make the impact um, uh, for the future of mobility so we can make our cities livable and uh, prosperous. So looking forward to be a uh, part of the, uh, of the Future Cities team and the, um, uh, representing this topic and yeah, digging it a little deeper to find out more. Thank you, Adina. So happy to have you back and looking forward to your words of wisdom. And now let's welcome our second newcomer on the show. I had a delightful call with him getting to know each other yesterday. It's Cam Moran. He said I can call him Cam Rouse at SAP Labs Network. Cam, please introduce yourself to the audience. Tell them what you do and what this topic means to you. Yeah, great. Thanks, Bonnie. Um, it's a real pleasure to be on your show. And um, also, it's been a great pleasure to, to work with Peter and Adina over the last um four months, um, looking at the topic of mobility. So I've got to say that it, is not, it has not been a focus of mine in the, in the past, but um, as a traveler, as somebody that um, commutes, as somebody that orders things online, um, it's something that consciously um, I've explored and had the opportunity to really talk to the thought leaders um, just by... Uh, just by involving and having conversation, having conversations and observing what's going on, what are the key key trends? And um, I represent SAP Labs Network, as you said. We drive um, thought leadership across across our labs, and we want to bring context to to some of the problems that are that are out there. And the DevX Challenge was an opportunity to get local perceptions, local. Um, uh, local yeah, leaders talking about what are, what were their uh, what were their challenges and with um, with Dublin and Berlin which we'll talk about later on um, mm-hmm. it was really focusing on reducing the dependency on private cars and I think this is that's where the, that's where the journey started and I look forward to telling you more. Thank you so much, Cam. Pleasure to have you on as well. What a great panel we have. They're all so smart and so invested in this topic. Now, if you're a newcomer to Game Changers Radio, and we thank, we have so far to all of our series, 46 series, either in live production or in on-demand archive status, we have over 1.6 million listeners in total all over the world. So I have to say thank you to our audience for making this an important part of your day, your week, your month, your year. This is the part of the show where I have asked each of my esteemed panelists in advance to send me a quote from a book, a movie, a song, a person, famous or not so famous, a quote that has absolutely nothing to do with the topic on the surface, and then they're going to relate it in their own words to the topic. So Peter Siebert at MHP has sent us a quote from Paul Auster, A-U-S-T-E-R. I had never heard of him. He's the best-selling author of Travels in the Scriptorium, The Brooklyn Follies, and Oracle Night. He also wrote for an NPR National Story Project anthology. He edited, I thought my Father Was God, which is a national bestseller. His work has been translated into 30 languages, and here's a little shout-out for, I'm from New York, he lives in Brooklyn, New York, I love, grew up in Queens, New York. Here's the quote from, from Paul Auster, listen up everyone, and I can't wait for Peter to relate it to the topic. The quote is, I like the sound a typewriter makes. Peter, I don't know if this is a big stretch, but help me out here, what in the world does this have to do with our topic of urban mobility? Go ahead. <laughs> Thanks a lot. It's not only because I adore Paul Auster, of course. That's, 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 uh, it's not only because I grew up even with typewriter sounds. My mother used to have a typewriter, and I think my first pieces were written on a typewriter. Me so too. It's because, <laughs> <laughs> it's because he describes a passion. 
he describes a passion for his profession um, and he, he's creating something. He's uh, uh, doing something creative when he's writing his stories. That's the one aspect. The second aspect is it's also an appreciation for technology. And, and when, when, hear, when we hear this quote, a typewriter sounds really like an old machine, a retro machine. It is somehow, but it's an appreciation for this technology as well. And think about, you would ask a car builder, do you like the sound of a typewriter? I guess he would not assume with it. He would tell you, I love the sound of a Ford Mustang or for Lambo, I don't know. But expresses, he would express exactly the same, a passion for the profession and also a kind of worship for this technology. And moreover, for me, it uh, describes also a kind of um, transformation process. Because meanwhile, of course, Paul Auster is not writing anymore on typewriter. He's using mm -hmm. computer. But that's the combination of the two worlds, the old world of technology And that's what is coming up with the new benefits and with the new um, emotional aspects as well. So it will be not the sound for typewriting. So maybe the Tesla has not the sound like a Ford Mustang, but there are new benefits. And so there's, of course, a combination. When you create, uh, when you create something new, you need to be passionate for this. That's what we learned also from startups. And that's what we I've learned um, when I'm working with the issue of smart uh, cities and future mobility, you need to have this uh, profession and you need to learn and to see what happened and what will happen. So, Thank you. I, I just love the quote and, and I, you, you so eloquently, Peter Siebert, you so eloquently related to the time. I had no idea what you were going to say. I have to tell our audience, I meet with my panelists in advance to just go over the flow of the show, but we don't rehearse what we're going to say. This is not scripted and we're not reading slides. So it's always delightful to find out why people pick certain quotes. And, and Peter, you did not disappoint with that one. Thank you very much. Adina, let's go to your quote from, oh, this goes way back in time. Adina has found a fabulous, a beautiful quote from St. Augustine. Let me read a little background here. Augustine of Hippo. He lived from 354 to 430 AD. He was a Roman African early Christian theologian and a Neoplatonic philosopher from Numidia, whose writings influenced the development of the Western Church and Western philosophy. I'll stop there. And here is the quote she has found. This is a beautiful one. The world is a book. And those who do not travel read only a page. Oh, Adina, I'm getting goosebumps from that. Tell me, how does that relate to modern urban mobility challenges? Go ahead. Thank you. Thank you, Bonnie. So um, um, I actually um, I just came across this, um, um, this uh, sentence and this, this quote um, uh, just a couple of months ago and a couple, actually a couple of weeks ago um, because yeah, uh, one of my passions is to traveling together with my family and yeah, I believe we have the chance to really um, uh, see um, um, new parts of the world and understand and uh, like, you know, um, look at new cultures, yeah, understand how people live in different parts of the world that definitely like gives you an additional um, like you know added value to your life and 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 really like you know to understand multicultural um, uh, collaboration how do we how do we like you know see the world from different angles and the, at the same time that is my passion and really like to get around and and the, um, uh, enjoy traveling the, um, uh, comes also the question like you know how do uh, we make this travel experience possible how do we make this experience possible for everybody but at the same time thinking about the impact of traveling we know that flying to another country means something yeah traveling also with a cruise ship which I did yeah, uh, just a couple of weeks ago uh, impacts the environment a lot and yeah, I was sort of relieved that yeah, uh, I found out that this cruise ship was running on LPG and it's not on diesel anymore so I had a little mm. bit of better country like you know towards the the green impact like you know how how these cruise ships are, are being built so i'm i'm hoping so that the, really these um, um the travel options and and all of these companies who are who are in this industry travel and transportation they look at the technological possibilities and advancements how can i combine this um, uh, really providing people the possibility to enjoy um uh, just a leisure travel or even like you know um optimize the daily commute by utilizing 
utilizing new technologies and yeah, making this in- environmental impact less, how we can like, you know, um, uh, uh, have um, uh, less pollution, uh, less congestion, mm-hmm. but at the same time being able to take advantage yeah, of seeing the world. Thank you very much. Just an absolutely beautiful quote. And you know, when I've, somebody brings me a quote of this magnitude of, of loveliness, I tell them I want to crochet it on a pillow. Well, I don't, I don't crochet or do cruel work anymore, but my thought is there. You understand. Thank you. That was lovely. I'm glad you brought that to us. And now let's move one more seat around the table to Cam Rouse at SAP Labs Network. And he has sent us a quote from Sir Edmund Hillary. Excuse me. If somebody is too young or not in that mode to know who Hillary is, I'll tell you. Sir Edmund Percival Hillary, and he's got all those wonderful letters after his last name, K-G-O-N-Z-K-B-E, lived from 1919 to 2008. He was a New Zealand mountaineer, explorer, and philanthropist. On May 29, 1953, Sir Edmund Hillary and Nepali Sherpa mountaineer Tenzing Norgay became the first climbers confirmed to have reached the summit of Mount Everest. We'll stop there. Very interesting. Here's the quote Cam has selected from Sir Edmund Hillary. It's not the mountain we conquer, but ourselves. Oh, Cam, this is another beautiful one. Go ahead. Yeah, great. Um, so it's something that's been with me for a long time um, throughout my throughout my life. Uh, so I'm I'm from New Zealand originally, and so I think you know you look at you look at role models and you understand um, how they got to that that peak. Um, but I think just commenting on Hillary, it is actually what he did after climbing uh, after after climbing um, that peak. He did a lot for Nepal, um, and so. Uh, and 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 for the people of Nepal afterwards, and I think that's what he's also really remembered for. But the quote is really the substance is: um, don't put ro- roadblocks in front of yourselves. Get, you know, get ego out of out, out of the way, and just jump into things and and focus on the collective. And you can all you can all. Um, participate and involve yourself in, in addressing problems as a decision maker, as somebody that is, uh, is involved in a, in, a, in a process. And I think um, something that's stuck with me recently is um, where somebody said to me, you know, there's, there's been the Great War, there's been the Great Depression, and now in terms of what we're going through in terms of change, we're going through the great restructure. And you see that in, in terms of the, the um, internal combustion engine, the way we think about how we move um, because of the cities, the density of cities, and um, and how we and and the choices that we need to um, start taking seriously if we really want to um, pass on uh, something to the future. Thank you very much, Cam. Very, very interesting. There's something so majestic about this quote, isn't there? Uh, It it reminds me, Cam, a little bit of the, uh, uh, what was her, what's her name? Um, Oh, you know, uh, yes. Billy Ray Cyrus, Miley Cyrus, I had to think, Miley Cyrus's song, The Climb. It, it, it just evoked that theory of that concept of, of climbing. It's all about the climb. So thank you so much, all three of you. Wonderful quotes. Now we're going to get to know our panelists just a little bit better before we take a break. We're actually doing very well on time today. Peter Siebert, I have two questions for you. I know my engineer extraordinaire, Aaron, has called all three of you because you're outside of the North America area, and we're happy to do that. So Peter Siebert, tell me, where in the world are you today? And what's your favorite drink of any kind of drink that either powers you, wakes you up, or relaxes you and calms you down, or anything in between? Peter, talk to me. So actually, I'm based in Berlin, and uh, I'm happy to be here because everybody's excited uh, about the 9th of November, you know, the reunification, the fall of the wall. So I'm in Berlin since 20 years. Actually, I'm from Bavaria, so it's a good mixture, Bavaria, Berlin. And um, my favorite drink um, after this call, I'm from Bavaria, will be a good cold beer. Unfortunately, mm. there's no beer from my region. I'm coming from Franconia. It's close to Nuremberg. They have the best beer in the world. And the best beer is Bettelsheimer Strauss beer. So I hope everybody can spell it. <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding? Are you kidding? You want to tell me how to spell it? Better what? Bettelsheimer Strauss beer. Okay, I got stout beer in there somewhere, so okay. No, no, it's really good, and I I used to be with a brewmaster in school, so everybody should have a brewmaster in school. That's a good relationship for years. 
So um, that's what I like to do afterwards. Thank you very much. I just looked up German beer and I found an article from June of this year, Peter, called The 11 Best Craft Breweries in Berlin. And they say beer is synonymous with Germany. Instead of a clanking liter over a Prost or beer cartons in every city and village are as German, oh, images are as German as Lederhosen. Very, very interesting. This is a, a, article written it's a blog article by somebody very very nice by Aaron Porter thank you very I much I have this one <laughs> <laughs> Really, really cool. It's a trip savvy, T-R-I-P-S-A-V-V-Y dot com, the best craft breweries in Berlin. So that's for you. There we go. Adina Sewell, we are ready for you. Where are you today, Adina? And what do you love to drink? Um, I am in Waldorf, Germany, um, uh, in our beautiful uh, small SAB village, yeah, um, uh, about 10, 15 minutes south of Heidelberg. And yeah, um, um, usually every morning, yeah, I make a smoothie for myself. I know it's yeah, uh, kind of like you know, a hip thing to do, but mm-hmm. yeah, I really enjoy getting up in the morning and like, you know, getting my favorite fruits out, yeah, and, yeah, which is yeah, strawberries, a couple of other berries, a banana, a little bit of yogurt and yeah and this just this drink is like you know I just love the texture I just love the little bit of a sweetness but it still gives me enough energy to run almost throughout the whole day wonderful thank you very much happy to have you Cam Rouse where are you today in the world and what do you love to drink so I'm not very far away from Adina so we're in the same office I'm in Waldorf in Germany and what do I love to drink well okay Peter's taken the beer option, so that's out. <laughs> no, it's not. So, um, okay, so, I'm, so I have, I'm a flat white guy. So every morning I have a daily ritual. I have to make a coffee for, for myself and my, and my wife just to, get us, just to get us through the day. It's like a daily kickstart. Um, why do I like flat white? Okay, it's, it's sort of like a latte. It's velvety and the espresso dominates. So it's a... It's, it's got substance that, that, that I need. I don't need the froth. I just need the espresso and a little bit of milk. Ah, uh, that's lovely. I just need the espresso and a little bit of milk. I like the way you put There's a poetry to that, Cam. There really is. Well, in case you're wondering, Adina knows me from previous shows. Peter is new and Cam is new, as I said at the opening. I am a New Yorker, born and bred, relocated to Durham, North Carolina two years ago. And I am in shock at how fast winter is here. I think the country, the U.S., is experiencing a lot of cold right now. But our temperatures at night have been dipping down to 32 degrees. And this is a little bit of a a shock because I'm supposed to be in the south where it's very, very warm. And I recently bought a greenhouse, a a kind of a portable greenhouse. It looks like a little building, like a little house. And you put it together with PVC connectors and metal pipes. And it has a clear plastic roof, if you will, that covers the whole thing and zips in the front. And I put some beautiful houseplants out there. So the challenge is, how do I keep them from freezing because it's on my screened porch. So I bought a little heater and before I go to bed, I check the the temperature. If it's getting too low, I turn the heater on with a remote control and leave it on overnight on a low temperature. And then when I wake up in the sun and the daylight, the the temperature in the greenhouse sometimes goes up to 100 degrees during the day. So I'm on greenhouse temperature monitoring if anybody's interested. But it's wonderful to look outside and see your orchids and your all your plants just flowering and, and doing beautifully. I'm not allowed to drink anything with caffeine in it on radio shows days. Adina knows this very well. Peter and Cam, you're probably not surprised. So all I'm allowed to have is a cool, clear glass of water with a silicone straw. I gave up paper. I gave up plastic straws because I'm trying to help the environment. So here we are today. We're talking about a very important topic that touches everybody in the whole wide world, addressing the challenges of future mobility of cities. We all know the population in the world is migrating into urban areas. The development is happening faster than city services can keep up. How are we going to get around? Will it be by car, bus, train, plane, on foot, on bicycles, however, Uber and cabs, whatever is happening? How do cities do that? And we're talking today about using mobility 
as a linchpin, if you will, to bring together people from diverse ecosystem teams. We're talking about diversity. We're talking about collaboration. We're going to talk a little bit about the SAP DevX Challenge, which we haven't talked about yet, really. And we're going to find out how all of this can help cities solve their future mobility problems. Very special guest, Peter Siebert at MPH, Edina Sewell at SAP. I'm sorry, MHP. I got that reversed, Peter. You have to forgive me. Edina Sewell at SAP and Cam Rouse at SAP. We're going to take a quick break. The pause that refreshes. I don't know who's drinking up what, but come back sober, please. (laughs) Ready to rock and roll with our discussion. We're going to go into the roundtable formally when we come back. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. You know what to do. We'll be right back. Aaron out. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. SAP is excited to be a co-innovator with the automotive industry as we help automotive and related companies digitally transform their entire industry and disrupt their existing business models. The Future of Cars with Game Changers brings you insights from the people in the driver's seat who are making this happen. We'll delve into industry challenges and solutions that support ecosystem industries, all to help you succeed in transforming your business and business networks for success in the new digital networked age. Tune in to the Business Channel to hear today's top technology and business strategy thought leaders share expert insights on how the automotive industry is shaping the future of change for all of us. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Future of Cars with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to The Future of Cars with Game Changers. Here we are. We're back talking about the future of mobility, which does include cars in cities of the future with Peter Siebert at MHP, Adina Sewell at SAP and Cameron Rouse Cam at SAP. Peter Siebert is going to kick off the roundtable. He sent me some notes before the show and I'm going to read part of one of his statements and Peter will talk for about two minutes on this. Then we'll see what Adina has to say and what Cam has to say. Then we'll pick a statement from Adina's list to go around the table and one from Cam. Let's see how much we can cover. So Peter Siebert said, we need to innovate in the public sector and to get the private sector to understand they should be partners in this. This is talking about our one of my opening statements about collaboration in the ecosystem and tapping into all of that power. So go ahead, Peter, tell us more, please. Yep. Thank you. So uh, it's important to, 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 to see what's going on. We, we were talking about polluted air, stressed citizen. There, everybody wants to have less congestion, uh, convenient commuting, and there are a lot of technology solutions in the market, um, but they, mostly of them, targeted to individuals. And that's normal because when startups or corporates, they, they innovate something, they build an MVP, they go to market, they want to sell something, and they want to sell to the consumer. But it's necessary um, to understand the perspective of a city and they target a collective. The importance of the role of a city is evident to understand how can we do this. You need space to collaborate, to bring these stakeholders together to understand themselves, to, to talk to each other, to articulate themselves. But it's pretty difficult because you need to incentivize so mm-hmm. what to do. I'll give you an example. Yes. Um, Berlin, that's a great city. They have a lot of startups. They have uh, great uh, corporates. They have R&D institutes. And they have, of course, a lot of uh, new technology, but oftentimes standalone technology and not uh, find the acceptance of the citizens. This year, they established a so-called citizen lab, a city lab for citizens. It sounds simple, but it's not that simple because... There are citizens collaborating together with NGOs, with schools, with corporates, with scientists, together on projects which are highly technology-driven, like machine learning and AI. And why do they do this? What's the incentive behind this? 
The incentive, it's very visible and transparent because it's run by the political leaders. They see what's going on and they can bring the projects, the solutions directly on the political agenda. So highly visibility, and that's the first reason. The second reason is people can, the citizen can uh, participate into projects. That's really important for uh, solutions because though they can participate and integrate into complex programs and they learn from each other, they learn how to speak the different languages as well. So integration, participation, that leads to trust. And that's really important. When we're talking about seamless mobility, autonomous driving, there's oftentimes a lack of trust. And we need trust. And if you have trust in the technology, you get the acceptance of the citizen. And that's what I call a really smart urban solution. And that's a good, good idea to bring those different stakeholders together. And, of course, they moderate it by experts um, from mobility, from IoT, from platform, uh, from digitization companies. And that's a really good approach for a future city. Thank you, Peter. Very interesting. I'd love to get Adina Sewell at SAP to chime in here, and then we'll invite Cam in. Adina, agree or disagree with Peter? A lot of good stuff he just mentioned. Talk to me. Um, yes, it's yeah, but what Peter mentioned is, yeah, is very relevant. Yeah, um, I think that yeah, um, uh, it's absolutely important to understand also um, um, uh, citizens and, and, and get, yeah, uh, get their view um, and, and also um, include them into the decisions, yeah, uh, what they make and how they can improve yeah, uh, life in the city. Um, so I think that yeah, um, um, prosperity and livability in the city, um, um, there are a lot of different areas. And yeah, um, a, a city lab, yeah, as we visited also, we were, we were in a lucky situation, and yeah, we visited yeah, um, uh, also in Berlin, this city lab. Um, we have understood it that yeah, they have created as an experience to show it to the citizens uh, that they understand what are the challenges they are facing and at the same time encouraging also companies to apply uh, new technologies, new ideas to solve um, uh, challenges. And what I really liked about um, the, the city level we've seen over there is that um, uh, small challenges, what, what could be actually like a, a big stepping stone later, meaning that, um, um, that uh, for example, uh, the way Berlin set up is that um, there are certain um, uh, parts of the city that are governed by different institutions. And for example, bike lanes are planned mm-hmm. um, uh, on there are these different institutions, but how do you mm. connect these bike lanes? So like, you know, from going to one part of the city to the other part, the bike lane might not continue. So how you bring these small, but at the same time, big steps, like, you know, together with technological advancements and how you connect the players that are relevant in this area. So this, this was a great experience, and the, um, um, that's, that's how, we, how we address um, a lot of the um, uh, topics that lead back into the, into the mobility, urban mobility areas. Thank you very much, Adina. Cam Rouse, please join us. Thoughts? Add your thoughts, please. Yeah, thank you. Um, so I'd just like to back up what, what, what they've been saying and my observations from Berlin is that if you, want, if you look on the streets, um, you see every single type of mobility service provider um, in Berlin. It is a, it's a hub of innovation. It's not, I'm not saying that it's a success, but you see that everybody wants to take a stake in um, showing what they can do, whether it is you know a connected experience, whether it is showing electric um, scooters or autonomous technology or new ride sharing programs um, there everybody who's who has a name is is there um, the integrated part is missing, um, and sometimes I think we need to be really selective um, in how we uh, that you can't just be you can't be too open and so Sometimes you need to be a little bit more selective. Um, that, that's just the, the observations from going there maybe two years ago and mm-hmm. then seeing the, um, the amount of change that has happened in the, in, in the last two years alone. Um, there are all sorts of transport options. You, you talked about the, um, the different transport options and it's, uh, what, what was really interesting for me when we were searching for a topic and there's a lot of opportunities out there. Talk about the circular economy. Um, 
you know, talk about uh, um, p- uh, pollution or the, the new workplace. Um, but when I was sitting in a coffee corner, so I'm going back to a coffee corner, um, people mm-hmm. are always talking about the, their way to work, the congestion, the congestion that they experience, uh, pollution, or they're talking about um, maybe their online buying habits because we're talking also about the impact of last mile in, in, in cities. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a really big topic. Um, you know, it's the, you, you talked at the beginning about the, 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 uh, the huge percentage of increase in a very short period of time um, in, in congestion. And I think we're, we're, not, we're not doing the right things. And the, it's, 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 like a, it's like a ticking bomb. Um, and the, the focus for us was really to um, get away from, you know, all of these lots of conversations happening, but really think about, okay, what could we bring to our employees? We have the technology. Um, we have the know-how, but we're missing the context. And so having somebody presenting that context like a city representative, a policymaker, a mobility service provider, and those mobility service provider could be, you know, the, the incumbents that are there. So the, the, um, the, the manufacturers of, uh, so it could be the, the manufacturers of, of all of the well-known brands, or it could be um, disruptors, or it could be co-opetition happening between those well-known names because they see threats coming in from the outside that weren't there before. It could be, um, you know, it could be a, a tech company that's going really deep into data, or it could be a supermarket that thinks, well, um, mobility hubs, what does that present for me? Or uh, bike sharing, you know, what, what, I have all of this parking space in, in, my, in, my, in, the, in the city, in a city area, and what, what sort of advantages could that big bring to me? How can I reimagine my, my business model? That's it for me. <laughs> Thank you very much, Kim. Very interesting. Peter, you started a great conversation here. I appreciate it. Anything you want to comment back, Peter, to either Adina or Cam or both? Um, that, that they summarize it quite good because I think it's uh, definitely essential to, 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 to bring these two parts together, the public players and the, 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 the corporates. Uh, um, because they don't, uh, they still don't speak the same language. And mm-hmm. after so many years, it's more more than uh, ever important to give them space to build ecosystems to to test uh, what they, they they can prototype, how they can match. And that's really important. Not only in Berlin, Berlin, it's like you said, you find everything, but um, don't forget the rural areas as well. When we talk about smart cities. Yeah. I would assume you always need to think about smart regions and rural areas, suburban areas, where you have a lot of mobility and still another um, quality of, of, of pains and problems we need to solve yeah. as well. Thank you very much. Good comments around. Adina, I have to also mention that I just tweeted uh, a comment from you, Peter, as well as something from Adina, very similar. She says, public and private collaboration combined with leading edge technologies leads to tangible outcomes to solve everyday problems. So you're all on on the same wavelength here. Adina, I'm looking at your notes, and here's something interesting about uh, knowledge transfer. I think that's what we're talking about. We talk about collaboration and diversity. You told me before the show, knowledge transfer and enhancement programs are vital to keep developers agile, curious, and equipped to develop world-changing products. And you talk about companies are developing programs that offer presentations, coding camps, deep dives, workshops to give insights into the latest technologies and pass knowledge to their employees. Adina, can you add more to this, please? We'd love to hear more from you. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um so um, um, at yeah, SAP, it is we, ha- we have actually a huge developers community, and the, um, um, we are facing everyday new technologies um, um, coming available, and the, um, uh, we are we have actually a really great solution portfolio, but the, um, uh, sometimes we, uh, uh, we get into this so-called hamster wheel, and we mm-hmm. are uh, trying to figure out what are these technologies it could be used for what 
are the newest developments. But uh, if we don't have the direct connection to the real-world problems and understanding uh, what are the exact expectations yes, for, from these from these real-world players, uh, that could potentially um, like uh, uh, it, it could potentially create a gap between the solutions and to the real-life problems. And the, uh, uh, we heard it a lot of times. We, we talked to um, our developer community, and they said that it is very relevant. It's very important to understand the new technologies. And therefore, as I mentioned in my quote, uh, again, we offer a lot of presentations, yeah, code camps, and, and different like you know, formats of workshops for these colleagues. Uh, but they said that the um, uh, that, yeah, special touch about bringing in the external players, the real-life players, the, um, um, uh, that, that makes the difference about how we approach, how we apply these new technologies. And yeah, that's why I appreciated the possibility so much to be a part of this so-called DevX challenge um, um, at, at SAP because yeah, we just piloted a new format where we said that yeah, let's bring these players together. Um, mm-hmm. We are lucky uh, to have yeah, labs all over the world. So we have selected a couple of pilot cities, as Cameron mentioned earlier. It was Berlin. It was Dublin. It was also a smaller location, Markdorf, yeah, um, uh, close to the um, uh, Lake Constance area. And the, um, uh, uh, the unique thing is that in these uh, big cities, we have yeah, um, uh, labs and we have these colleagues who are actually uh, commuting to work every day as part of like an you know, urban commuting experience. And they see their challenges every day. On the other hand, they see the technologies. Um, so we brought in the third factor to understand uh, what are the cities facing, whatever their opinion is, where do they see the challenges, where do they see this opportunity to apply these new technologies to really make an impact. So um, uh, we were trying to bring these puzzle pieces together and make it sure that yeah, we get the right combination and yeah, uh, bring like you know um, real products to real life challenges. Um, it was it was a great experience, yeah, uh, being part of the DevX challenge, and yeah, there were some great outcomes addressing yeah, um, everyday issues. Yeah, I really like, for example, in Dublin, yeah, uh, we had one colleague saying that uh, whenever they drive their kids in the morning to schools, they have like a Land Rover pickup, yeah, or actually pop up yard, uh, because yeah, uh, sure, as a mother, I can understand it. I feel very cozy and safe if I get to drive an SUV, and I'm thinking that my child is completely protected, and I. I love to drive it to school, but at the same time, what is my impact for the environment and the um how can I change this behavior? It is also fun for kids to maybe go to school together, ride their bikes to school. How can we make it sure that this experience is safe? Um, so all of all of these ideas come together and how can we impact this, this mindset change for the people to understand it, that my choices, my individual choices, choices every time, uh, it has an impact for the future and for sustainability. Thank you very much. Sounds fabulous. Really, really interesting. Uh, Cam, please join us. I know you're a, a big proponent of this. Any comments you'd like to add to what Adina shared with us? Yeah, I think this, the similarity in discussions, uh, when you talk about problems, um, most cities are facing the same, same problems, but the solutions are often quite different because of the, the urban planning um, yeah, status of, of what exists today. Um, and some of them are ahead of um, of others, but they're all looking at they're, they're all looking at um, they're all yeah they're all looking at how can they reduce the dependency on on private cars? How can they get people into using um, private transport? And then on the other side, you have um, you know the the uh, car makers or rental car firms looking at what can they do to make it really convenient for, um, for their mobility as a service, for mobility as a service to, to take off. So creating opportunities where mobility, of a, uh, mobility as a service can be realized. Instead of owning a vehicle, you're, you're, you don't own an asset. You don't, have to, uh, you don't have to have a garage to park it in. Um, mm-hmm. It's simply there for you when you need it. And then you're looking at, wow, if you take... If you, if they can see an opportunity for them to recreate their their business model around mobility as a service, then you've gone, you're going to have fewer vehicles. You're going to have maybe um, you know new business models that could generate new opportunities for them. So it's it's getting into the, what I liked is that we see we get all of these different players. So the bike sharing companies, the scooter sharing companies, the um, 
the mass tra- the public transport providers. So whether it is ferries or buses or trains, um, and then you get these innovation hubs that w- we see in in, in Berlin, um, and they're represented by um, just about everybody there. Um, they're all looking at ways that they can. Um, yeah, that they can recreate, the, the, that they can rethink the, the future. And I think one thing that always comes up is that there's this framework around uh, case. So um, mm-hmm. can, correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> it's, it's connected experiences. It's autonomous. It's shared. And it's electric. I, I, I have another, another view that is from somebody else um, that I came across, and it came from a, um, from a city perspective, and it was called Odessa. And ADESA mm. stands for, first, active mobility. Now, active mobility, you know, we're talking about livable cities. You shouldn't feel that you walk onto the street and you want to go for a walk, that you're in a hostile environment, that you can, you know, you can be walking with a friend, people part in front of you, and you're falling over scooters. Um, it's the, the pavements mm-hmm. are, are uh, uh, what I experienced, and, and Berlin's a great place to walk, walk around in, but... Uh, you know, if you're in the middle of the day there and there's lots of, there's lots of tourists, so if it's summer, there's lots of tourists, you know, which adds another complication to it, and, and cities have to deal with this as well. But um, you see all of these new service providers come o- online, um, and it's great to see, but um, at some point there's got to be some s- selection <laughs> that, that takes place um, because... Uh, and, and I think mobility as a service provides a, a sort of a federated platform where where people can uh, start to think about, um, you know, the, the number of miles that are created, how many seats are occupied in these vehicles. Uh, I, I think there was a, a study recently done um, that looked at... Um, that looked at the the number of ride-sharing journeys being un, in a city in a city environment being under one kilometer. That means that people are not walking anymore, and you know we need healthy we need healthy citizens. I'll just go back to Odessa. So active mobility was one. The other one was uh, data driven, electric, shared, and um, autonomous. So mm-hmm. the, the, the last ones are there, but I think the active mobility is a really um, a key component for livable cities and, um, you know, just uh, peace of mind, um, being able to enjoy, enjoy a city. And, and it shouldn't just be in the evening when, when all that traffic disappears that you can enjoy um, the delights of Berlin or, or Dublin. Thank you very much, Cam. I, I googled it just to make sure we had all the all the pieces here, and I found uh, an article here at Assurant.com. I'm not sure why, but they say KCASE, the acronym taking over the auto industry, not just industry jargon. Let me see here. I missed their opening. Okay, not just industry jargon, but it's really happening. And the definition here they give is C is connectivity. A is autonomous, S is sharing and subscription, and E, of course, is electrification. They call this the new guiding principle for the future of the automotive industry. So I'm going to tweet that. Kim, we need to get you on Twitter so you can see all these great tweets being passed back and forth about the show. I'm... I, I rest my case. Camp said, no, Twitter's not for me. Maybe it is. Peter Siebert at NMHP, why don't you join us and tell us what you think about what we've just been discussing. Go ahead. Oh, there, there's, there were so many aspects. Uh, they were really great. It was a whole panopticum. Um, I especially like acti- active mobility. You know, what I want to, to add, because it's really uh, important uh, for, for, for city mobility and for the citizen, and that what we have uh, witnessed also at the, the DAFX challenge, um, there needs to somehow to be a shift from, from, from individual mobility to mass transport, to public transport. And that's not a contradiction. On the one hand, we see there are a lot of e-scooters and everybody wants to express it, himself, herself on e-scooters, on, I don't know, bike sharing uh, activities and so on, e-bike, pedelecs. There's a lot of going on. But um, the, uh, what, what is really essential that people can have a convenient uh, trip from A to B via public transport. Because when we have a look into the future, that's what we also want to address. We see the the this, uh, the, the, the urbanization. The, uh, the, I'll just have a look at Berlin. There, every year, 
50,000 inhabitants more, 50,000 more. And that's, that's, that's incredible. So that means a complete new infrastructure, complete new uh, public transport system is needed. The only one who can really solve it are not the, 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 the car manufacturer, not the e-scooter suppliers. It, it's, they are part of it. If they are interconnected with the public transport, then you see one approach uh, for, for future mobility system. And that's, that's what London has started with uh, uh, Transport for London. That's what now Berlin, the BBG, that's the public transport system, has published this year because they said it must be uh, easy usable for the user. Just one click and not 10 different apps from, from Lime, mm-hmm. from Uber, from iTaxi, from I don't know, uh, all the sharing offers. And that uh, was possible because they established a, an open access platform. And that's smart because so they can be still responsible for mass transport and they have the infrastructure. They have metros, they have buses, and uh, they uh, have, meanwhile, also pooling systems. And now they have um, developed new services. And that's, that's, that's great. That's fantastic because they collect these services. And it's also a benefit for third-party suppliers uh, like e-scooters or like taxi uh, um, companies. That's a smart way. All, also, other cities want to, 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 to go this way. That's really, really good to, to build platforms for public transport. The uh, other thing I wanted to... Peter, to Peter, I want to tell you, we've got yeah. we've got three and a half minutes till the end of the show. We have to close okay. soon. So I tell you what, let's Perfect. plan on part two next year. We'll talk to Judy and, and Adita. You can talk to J- Judy Cubis about renewing the series. <laughs> but Peter, one sentence. I have three minutes left. I have to divide it among each of you. That's 45 seconds each, plus I need to close. Peter, one sentence. What's the future of what we're talking about? The future of mobility challenges for urban areas around the world. Peter, one sentence. Then Adina, one sentence. Then Cam. Go ahead. Peter, predict, please. The future for mobility are self-driving systems uh, if they are connected. Definitely. Thank you. Adina Sewell, what's your prediction? What, uh, I can give you 30 seconds because Peter was so good. Adina, 30 seconds. What's your prediction? Uh, my prediction is that um, uh, we are going to use intelligent technologies and provide the end users with a seamless experience, and we are going to achieve the goal about reducing the private vehicle usage, and the, um, there's going to be a great um, A to B commuting experience utilizing all of these different modes of transport in, in cities, and the, um, uh, we create the, um, really smart and future cities in the future. Thank you. Oh, I like that. Okay. And Cam Rouse, 30 seconds for you. That's it. What do you got? So I agree with it all, and I'm just going to add, um, I think it's going to be micro, and I think it's that's bikes, that's uh, cargo bikes, it's going to be electric, it's going to be smaller, agile, and we need to invest in the infrastructure, and we need to um, and, uh, bring in um, charges that, um, yeah, that, that, that uh, distract people from uh, being in cars. Thank you very much. I'm keeping my car. Adina knows I always say that I have a wonderful sports car, and we do 80 here on the local highways. It's fine with me, especially with the top down. Here we go. I want to yeah. thank Aaron, our engineer extraordinaire. I want to thank Judy Cubis at SAP for sponsoring the series. Judy, you got to come back with a renewal for next year because this is just so much great information. The world needs to know. Everybody's either driving or watching other people drive or being driven. It applies to everyone. I want to thank all of my three panelists, but let's do my closing. Here we go. Fasten your seatbelt. How appropriate for a show about cars. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Peter Siebert, just like Adina Sewell, just like Cameron Rouse, and I hope just like me, Bonnie D. Graham. Have a great day. We'll talk to you in one hour on our new edition of Financial Excellence with Game Changers. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to the Future of Cars with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.